0: chapter eleven of a distinguished provincial at paris by honore de balzac translated by ellen marriage this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by bruce piry chapter eleven the wooden galleries of the palais royal used to be one of the most famous sights of paris some description of the squalid bazaar will not be out of place for there are few men of forty who will not take an interest in recollections of a state of things which will seem incredible to a younger generation the great dreary spacious galerie d'orleans that flowerless hot-house as yet was not the space upon which it now stands was covered with booths or to be more precise with small wooden dens pervious to the weather and dimly illuminated on the side of the court and the garden by borrowed lights styled windows by courtesy but more like the filthiest arrangements for obscuring daylight to be found in little wine-shops in the suburbs the galleries parallel passages about twelve feet in height were formed by a triple row of shops the centre row giving back and front upon the galleries was filled with the fetid atmosphere of the place and derived a dubious daylight through the invariably dirty windows of the roof but so thronged were these hives that rents were excessively high and as much as a thousand crowns was paid for a space scarce six feet by eight the outer rows gave respectively upon the garden and the court, and were covered on that side by a slight trellis-work painted green, to protect the crazy plastered walls from continual friction with the passers-by. In a few square feet of earth, at the back of the shops, strange freaks of vegetable life unknown to science grew amid the products of various no less flourishing industries. You beheld a rose-bush capped with printed paper in such a sort that the flowers of rhetoric were perfumed by the cankered blossoms of that ill-kept ill-smelling garden handbills and ribbon streamers of every hue flaunted gaily among the leaves natural flowers competed unsuccessfully for an existence with odds and ends of millinery you discovered a knot of ribbon adorning a green tuft the dahlia admired afar proved on a nearer view to be a satin rosette the palais seen from the court or from the garden was a fantastic sight a grotesque combination of walls of plaster patchwork which had once been whitewashed of blistered paint heterogeneous placards and all the most unaccountable freaks of parisian squalor the green trellises were prodigiously the dingier for constant contact with the parisian public so upon either side the fetid disreputable approaches might have been there for the express purpose of warning away fastidious people but fastidious folk no more recoiled before these horrors than the prince in the fairy stories turns tail at the sight of the dragon or of the other obstacles put between him and the princess by the wicked fairy there was a passage through the centre of the galleries then as now and as at the present day you entered them through the two peristyles begun before the revolution and left unfinished for lack of funds but in place of the handsome modern arcade leading to the Français, you passed along a narrow disproportionately lofty passage so ill-roofed that the rain came through on wet days all the roofs of the hovels indeed were in very bad repair and covered here and again with a double thickness of tarpaulin. A famous silk mercer once brought an action against the Orléans family for damages done in the course of a night to his stock of shawls and stuffs, and gained the day and a considerable sum. It was in this last-named passage, called the Glass Gallery, to distinguish it from the wooden galleries, that Chevet laid the foundations of his fortunes here in the palais you trod the natural soil of paris augmented by importations brought in upon the boots of foot-passengers here at all seasons you stumbled among hills and hollows of dried mud swept daily by the shopman's besom, and only after some practice could you walk at your ease the treacherous mud-heaps the window-panes incrusted with deposits of dust and rain the mean-looking hovels covered with ragged placards the grimy unfinished walls the general air of a compromise between a gypsy camp the booths of a country fair and the temporary structures that we in paris build round about public monuments that remain unbuilt the grotesque aspect of the mart as a whole was in keeping with the seething traffic of various kinds carried on within it for here, in this shameless, unblushing haunt, amid wild mirth and a babel of talk, an immense amount of business was transacted between the revolution of 1789 and the revolution of 1830. For twenty years the bourse stood just opposite, on the ground floor of the palais. Public opinion was manufactured and reputations made and ruined here, just as political and financial jobs were arranged people made appointments to meet in the galleries before or after change on showery days the palais royal was often crowded with weather-bound capitalists and men of business the structure which had grown up no one knew how about this point was strangely resonant laughter was multiplied if two men quarrelled the whole place rang from one end to the other with the dispute in the daytime, milliners and booksellers enjoyed a monopoly of the place. Towards nightfall, it was filled with women of the town. Here dwelt poetry, politics and prose, new books and classics, the glories of ancient and modern literature side by side with political intrigue and the tricks of the bookseller's trade. Here all the very latest and newest literature were sold to a public which resolutely declined to buy elsewhere sometimes several thousand copies of such and such a pamphlet by paul louis courier would be sold in a single evening and people crowded thither to buy les aventures de la fille d'un Roy, that first shot fired by the orleanists at the charter promulgated by louis the eighteenth when lucien made his first appearance in the wooden galleries some few of the shops boasted proper fronts and handsome windows but these in every case looked upon the court or the garden. As for the centre row, until the day when the whole strange colony perished under the hammer of Fontaine the architect, every shop was opened back and front like a booth in a country fair, so that from within you could look out upon either side through gaps among the goods displayed or through the glass doors. As it was obviously impossible to kindle a fire, the tradesmen were fain to use charcoal chafing dishes and formed a sort of brigade for the prevention of fires among themselves and indeed a little carelessness might have set the whole quarter blazing in fifteen minutes for the plank-built republic dried by the heat of the sun and haunted by too inflammable human material was bedizened with muslin and paper and gauze and ventilated at times by a thorough draught the milliner's windows were full of impossible hats and bonnets displayed apparently for advertisement rather than for sale each on a separate iron spit with a knob at the top the galleries were decked out in all the colors of the rainbow on what heads would those dusty bonnets end their careers for a score of years the problem had puzzled frequenters of the palais saleswomen usually plain-featured but vivacious waylaid the feminine foot-passenger with cunning importunities after the fashion of market-women and using much the same language a shop-girl who made free use of her eyes and tongue sat outside on a stool and harangued the public with buy a pretty bonnet madame do let me sell you something varying a rich and picturesque vocabulary with inflections of the voice with glances and remarks upon the passers-by booksellers and milliners lived on terms of mutual understanding but it was in the passage known by the pompous title of the glass gallery that the oddest trades were carried on here were ventriloquists and charlatans of every sort and sights of every description from the kind where there is nothing to see to panoramas of the globe one man who has since made seven or eight hundred thousand francs by travelling from fair to fair began here by hanging out a signboard a revolving sun in a blackboard and the inscription in red letters here man may see what god can never see admittance two sous the showman at the door never admitted one person alone nor more than two at a time once inside you confronted a great looking-glass and a voice which might have terrified hoffmann of berlin suddenly spoke as if some spring had been touched you see here gentlemen something that god can never see through all eternity that is to say your like god has not his like and out you went too shamefaced to confess to your stupidity voices issued from every narrow doorway crying up the merits of cosmoramas views of constantinople marionettes automatic chess-players and performing dogs who could pick you out the prettiest woman in the company the ventriloquist Fritz James flourished here in the Café Borel before he went to fight and fall at Montmartre with the young lads from the École Polytechnique. Here too there were fruit and flower shops, and a famous tailor whose gold-laced uniforms shone like the sun when the shops were lighted at night. Of a morning the galleries were empty, dark, and deserted. The shopkeepers chatted among themselves towards two o'clock in the afternoon the palais began to fill at three men came in from the bourse and paris generally speaking crowded the place impecunious youth hungering after literature took the opportunity of turning over the pages of the books exposed for sale on the stalls outside the booksellers shops the men in charge charitably allowed a poor student to pursue his course of free studies and in this way a duodecimo volume of some two hundred pages such as smarrat or pierre chlamille or jean spogard or jacquot might be devoured in a couple of afternoons there was something very french in this alms given to the young hungry starved intellect circulating libraries were not as yet if you wished to read a book you were obliged to buy it for which reason novels of the early part of the century were sold in numbers which now seem well-nigh fabulous to us but the poetry of this terrible mart appeared in all its splendour at the close of the day women of the town flocking in and out from the neighbouring streets were allowed to make a promenade of the wooden galleries thither came prostitutes from every quarter of paris to do the palais the stone galleries belonged to privileged houses which paid for the right of exposing women dressed like princesses under such-and-such such an arch or in the corresponding space of a garden but the wooden galleries were the common ground of women of the streets this was the palais a word which used to signify the temple of prostitution a woman might come and go taking away her prey whithersoever seemed good to her so great was the crowd attracted thither at night by the women that it was impossible to move except at a slow pace as in a procession or at a masked ball nobody objected to the slowness it facilitated examination the women dressed in a way that is never seen nowadays the bodices cut extremely low both back and front the fantastical headdresses designed to attract notice here a cap from the pays de co and there a spanish mantella the hair crimped and curled like a poodle's or smoothed down in bandeaux over the forehead the close-fitting white stockings and limbs revealed it would not be easy to say how but always at the right moment all this poetry of vice has fled the license of question and reply the public cynicism in keeping with the haunt is now unknown even at masquerades or the famous public balls it was an appalling gay scene the dazzling white flesh of the women's necks and shoulders stood out in magnificent contrast against the men's almost invariably sombre costumes the murmur of voices the hum of the crowd could be heard even in the middle of the garden as a sort of droning bass interspersed with fiorature of shrill laughter or clamor of some rare dispute you saw gentlemen and celebrities cheek by jowl with gallows birds there was something indescribably piquant about the anomalous assemblage the most insensible of men felt its charm so much so that until the very last moment paris came hither to walk up and down on the wooden planks laid over the cellars where men were at work on the new buildings and when the squalid wooden erections were finally taken down great and unanimous regret was felt L'Advocat, the bookseller, had opened a shop but a few days since in the angle formed by the central passage which crossed the galleries, and immediately opposite another bookseller, now forgotten, Doria, a bold and youthful pioneer who opened up the paths in which his rival was to shine. Doria's shop stood in the row which gave upon the garden; L'Advocat's, on the opposite side, looked out upon the court. Doria's establishment was divided into two parts. His shop was simply a great trade warehouse, and the second room was his private office. Lucien, on this first visit to the wooden galleries, was bewildered by a sight which no novice can resist. He soon lost the guide who befriended him. "'If you were as good-looking as yonder young fellow, I would give you your money's worth,' a woman said, pointing out Lucien to an old man lucien slunk through the crowd like a blind man's dog following the stream in a state of stupefaction and excitement difficult to describe importuned by glances and white rounded contours dazzled by the audacious display of bared throat and bosom he gripped his roll of manuscript tightly lest somebody should steal it innocent that he was well what is it sir he exclaimed thinking when some one caught him by the arm that his poetry had proved too great a temptation to some author's honesty and turning he recognized lousteau i felt sure that you would find your way here at last said his friend the poet was standing in the doorway of a shop crowded with persons waiting for an audience with the sultan of the publishing trade Printers, paper-dealers, and designers were catechizing dauriat's assistance as to present or future business. Lousteau drew Lucien into the shop. There, that is Finot who edits my paper, he said. He is talking with Felicien Vernoux, who has abilities, but the little wretch is as dangerous as a hidden disease. Well, old boy, there is a first night for you, said Finot coming up with Vernoux i have disposed of the box sold it to brollard well and if i did what then you will get a seat what do you want with dauriat oh it is agreed that we are to push paul de coq dauriat has taken two hundred copies and victor ducange is refusing to give him his next dauriat wants to set up another man in the same line he says you must rate paul de coq above ducange but I have a piece on with Duconge at the Gaete, said Lousteau. Very well, tell him that I wrote the article. It can be supposed that I wrote a slashing review, and you toned it down, and he will owe you thanks. Couldn't you get Doria's cashier to discount this bit of a bill for a hundred francs? asked Étienne Lousteau. We are celebrating Florine's housewarming with a supper tonight, you know ah yes you are treating us all said finot with an apparent effort of memory here gabusson he added handing barbet's bill to the cashier let me have ninety francs for this individual fill in your name old man lousteau signed his name while the cashier counted out the money and lucien all eyes and ears lost not a syllable of the conversation that is not all my friend etienne continued i don't thank you we have sworn an eternal friendship i have taken it upon myself to introduce this gentleman to dauriat and you must incline his ear to listen to us what is on foot asked finot a volume of poetry said lucien oh said finot with a shrug of the shoulders your acquaintance cannot have had much to do with publishers or he would have hidden his manuscript in the loneliest spot in his dwelling remarked vernou looking at lucien as he spoke just at that moment a good-looking young man came into the shop gave a hand to finot and lousteau and nodded slightly to vernou the newcomer was emile blondet who had made his first appearance in the journal des débats with articles revealing capacities of the very highest order come and have supper with us at midnight at florine's said Lustau very good said the newcomer but who is going to be there oh florine and matifat the druggist said lousteau and du bruel the author who gave florine the part in which she is to make her first appearance a little old fogey named cardot and his son-in-law camusot and finot and does your druggist do things properly he will not give us doctored wine said lucien you are very witty monsieur blondet returned gravely is he coming lousteau yes then we shall have some fun lucien had flushed red to the tips of his ears blondet tapped on the window above dauriat's desk is your business likely to keep you long dauriat i am at your service my friend that's right said lousteau addressing his protege that young fellow is hardly any older than you are and he is on the debat he is one of the princes of criticism they are afraid of him doriat will fawn upon him and then we can put in a word about our business with the Pasha of vignettes and type otherwise we might have waited till eleven o'clock and our turn would not have come the crowd of people waiting to speak with doriat is growing bigger every moment Lucien and Lousteau followed Blondet, Finot, and Vernou, and stood in a knot at the back of the shop. What is he doing? asked Blondet of the head clerk, who rose to bid him good evening. He is buying a weekly newspaper. He wants to put new life into it and set up a rival to the Minerve and the Conservatoire. Emery has rather too much of his own way in the Minerve, and the Conservatoire is too blindly romantic. Is he going to pay well? only too much as usual said the cashier just as he spoke another young man entered this was the writer of a magnificent novel which had sold very rapidly and met with the greatest possible success dauriat was bringing out a second edition the appearance of this odd and extraordinary-looking being so unmistakably an artist made a deep impression on lucien's mind that is nathan lousteau said in his ear nathan then in the prime of his youth came up to the group of journalists hat in hand and in spite of his look of fierce pride he was almost humble to blondet whom as yet he only knew by sight blondet did not remove his hat neither did finot monsieur i am delighted to avail myself of an opportunity yielded by chance he is so nervous that he is committing a pleonasm said felicien in an aside to lousteau to give expression to my gratitude for the splendid review which you were so good as to give me in the journal des Débats, half the success of my book is owing to you no my dear fellow no said blondet with an air of patronage scarcely masked by good nature you have talent the deuce you have and i'm delighted to make your acquaintance now that your review has appeared i shall not seem to be courting power we can feel at ease will you do me the honor and the pleasure of dining with me to-morrow finot is coming lousteau old man you will not refuse me will you added nathan shaking etienne by the hand ah you are on the way to a great future monsieur he added turning again to blondet you will carry on the line of douceaux's fieve's and joffroy's hoffman was talking about you to a friend of mine claude vignon his pupil he said that he could die in peace the journal des débats would live forever they ought to pay you tremendously well a hundred francs a column said blondet poor pay when one is obliged to read the books and read a hundred before you find one worth interesting yourself in like yours your work gave me pleasure upon my word and brought him in fifteen hundred francs said lousteau for lucien's benefit but you write political articles don't you asked nathan yes now and again lucien felt like an embryo among these men he had admired nathan's book he had reverenced the author as an immortal nathan's abject attitude before this critic whose name and importance were both unknown to him stupefied lucien how if i should come to behave as he does he thought is a man obliged to part with his self-respect pray put on your hat again Nathan you have written a great book and the critic has only written a review of it these thoughts set the blood tingling in his veins scarce a minute passed but some young author poverty-stricken and shy came in asked to speak with Doria, looked round the crowded shop despairingly and went out saying i will come back again two or three politicians were chatting over the convocation of the chambers and public business with a group of well-known public men the weekly newspaper for which dauriat was in treaty was licensed to treat of matters political and the number of newspapers suffered to exist was growing smaller and smaller till a paper was a piece of property as much in demand as a theatre one of the largest shareholders in the constitutionnel was standing in the midst of the knot of political celebrities lousteau performed the part of ciceroni to admiration with every sentence he uttered dauriat rose higher in lucien's opinion politics and literature seemed to converge in dauriat's shop he had seen a great poet prostituting his muse to journalism humiliating art as woman was humiliated and prostituted in those shameless galleries without and the provincial took a terrible lesson to heart money that was the key to every enigma lucien realized the fact that he was unknown and alone and that the fragile clue of an uncertain friendship was his sole guide to success and fortune he blamed the kind and loyal little circle for painting the world for him in false colors for preventing him from plunging into the arena pen in hand i should be a blonde at this moment he exclaimed within himself only a little while ago they had sat looking out over paris from the gardens of the luxembourg and lousteau had uttered the cry of a wounded eagle then lousteau had been a great man in lucien's eyes and now he had shrunk to scarce visible proportions the really important man for him at this moment was the fashionable bookseller by whom all these men lived and the poet manuscript in hand felt a nervous tremor that was almost like fear he noticed a group of busts mounted on wooden pedestals painted to resemble marble byron stood there and goethe and m de canalis dauriat was hoping to publish a volume by the last-named poet who might see on his entrance into the shop the estimation in which he was held by the trade unconsciously lucien's own self-esteem began to shrink and his courage ebbed he began to see how large a part this dauriat would play in his destinies and waited impatiently for him to appear. End of chapter eleven.